From an internet fraught with danger, we brave the void to bring you Digital and Dice. Digidicers, I am Mark. And I'm Brian. And welcome to episode two of Digital and Dice. Yes, indeed. (laughs) We have returned to talk about more things that having to do with dice and digital aspects of dice and things that don't have to do with dice. Mostly we're digitally talking about dice and how those dice can digitally affect your life. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, in in somewhat random ways. How apropos of this episode, though not uh, though we as we rehashed last episode, not actually random because that is theoretically impossible. Uh, again, I will reiterate that is basically just splitting hairs. It's the idea of it is effectively random enough, and that's going to what we're going for. I, I, uh, you're you're not wrong, but <laughs> we could be nothing <laughs> if not pedantic. I am I am right enough for my own purposes, thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, I... uh, so, <laughs> of of all the things there, Brian, what have you been doing? Well, uh, I have been playing some World of Warcraft, if you can believe that. How dare. Um, yes, uh, got, got my uh, new hunter started, and I'm now collecting dinosaurs, because... Uh, uh, damn it! And I spent an entire weekend making sure that my hunter was leveled up enough that I could go to a very scary place and get the tome, so I could tame dinosaurs. Cause dinosaurs, this is this is not a this is not a complex thing. I love dinosaurs. Right? Yeah. And judging and by the amount of dinosaurs that I have given to your child, it should be obvious. It's a well-known fact that you are a a you know, a, a big fan of dinosaurs in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I too have been uh, I've been down that rabbit hole. Uh, there's been a lot of World of Warcraft lately. Uh, actually, as a matter of fact, I just did some of the Legion quests that made me very very happy inside. Ooh. Specifically, uh, without without going into too much detail about it, uh, um, there's a quest where you actually experience parts of Illidan's life uh, throughout kind of throughout his existence as you're kind of like figuring out what's going on with him. And uh, one of the things you do is you actually act as him during the raid battle versus, like, a, a, a raid that's coming to take him out. And it was so perfectly done because as you're, like, fighting them, they're, like, you know, like, you st- you're getting ready to fight them and you got your speech going. And they're, like, like I think I think Jeffrey's AFK, you know, oh, okay, well, like, we're, we're getting ready. And then they count down, like, three, two, one as your speech is ending. That and is then, that is precious. Yeah. As you're fighting them, they're like, "How did I die from that? You know, was I not soulstone?" It's like, oh, it's just so good. Uh, that kind of meta <laughs> makes me very, very happy. I I am pleased by this. Yeah. Yes, the uh, champions, the defenders of mortal and immortal realms. A bunch of crazy neckbeards. Yeah, exactly. Now I, I will have to say though that I've also been playing a decent amount of cyberpunk 2077 mm-hmm. which has gotten me in the mood for like i really I, I i want to try doing another cyberpunk game at some point um but i've also been playing world of warcraft and i thought about the idea of doing like another world of War, world of warcraft role-playing game at some point and then i had this weird fever dream about mixing the two of them and having all the different world of warcraft races in a cyberpunk setting and uh, like i i kind of just like stared blankly at a wall for a few minutes and was like I wonder I could totally make that work and, and then I just kind of like snap back to reality that goes gravity and was like all right no 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 no, right no, no. don't you back away from this <laughs> don't you back away from this you can do this <laughs> I, I mean you know it's it's it would be fairly easy all things considered it's not like mecha don't have gadget a... zan city Oh yeah, I mean things things get things get crazy uh when you start drawing weird parallels between 
the different WoW races and what that would mean. The Kirin Tor as basically the like the Netwatch kind of like, you know, weird internet defender type thing. Titans would have ascended to become complete AIs that run their own domains within the different digital realms of Azeroth. <laughs> the, the Titans are beyond the Black Wall. We can't get to them. Uh, you know, uh, again, that that is just something that was on my mind, and it's just it would be like some weird pet project that uh, I'm I'm not really uh, not really 100% sold on my own idea yet, but we'll find out. Oh, we're but... we're gonna we're gonna pick this uh, particular scab. Uh, but uh, in other uh, video game news, though not nearly as cutting edge as uh, that, I pre-ordered. The thing I probably shouldn't have, but I did. Oh, what'd you, what'd you pre-order? Oh, I pre-ordered the Mass Effect Trilogy remaster slash remake for the first one. Okay. Why not? Go for it. Because uh, I have thrown them enough money, and I was so heartbroken by the whole humitude of Andromeda. You, there, there's some good stuff out of it though, so I, I'm not going to fault you. Mass Effect was a good was a good game, sir. Mind so. you, it was only no also the price of one AAA game for all three. Uh, as all of, three games you already own on different systems. Yeah, but I don't have it for PC. <laughs> Jeez, Fair enough. Mark. Fair enough. Again, I'm not going to I'm not going to shame you for getting a game you enjoy. I will, on the other hand, shame you for buying games you already own. Uh, but again, I. I can't really necessarily throw a stone there. I just bought Mist for the Oculus. So Mist, uh, as in like nineteen ninety. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you paid money for Mist. They completely remade it, you know, but in VR. So why not? I'm all for it. I'm interested to see what they do with it. Paying but, money uh, for Mist. Did we even do that as kids? I, I owned it. I had the box and everything. Oh, look at here. We got Missed a badass. On CD-ROM and <laughs> Riven on four CD-ROMs. <laughs> oh, oh, the, the agony. Yeah. <laughs> the first time in forever that Mist has taken up six gigabytes of space on anything. <laughs> that sounds uh, like it could definitely stress the system. Right. And speaking of systems, that reminds ha! us of uh, the show we're going to be doing today. <laughs> that we're doing right now. Yes, indeed. We're literally in the middle of doing it this very moment. The show that has a main topic, even. Ah, see, there, there it is. Which goes a little something like... You didn't this? actually name it. Uh, you know what, I... I was expecting you to actually to, name it. Well, I, I was couldn't expecting even you see to the pick notes that up until five minutes yeah. before. But you know, whose fault let's, is that? Let's just <laughs> you put them at the bottom of the document. I didn't know where to find them. <laughs> Anyways, we are actually having a main topic, not just uh, recriminations bouncing back and forth. And that main topic today, we're gonna go ahead and call it. Um, yeah. Oh, God, I'm completely drawing a blank. Systems. <laughs> systems. We are uh, down with the system. I believe I called it rolling randomly. Um, that's That was that was last. No. Digital okay. versus dice was the first episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're two episodes rolling in. Rolling randomly. Uh, a look <laughs> at the different dice systems uh, that uh, you all can play and what our opinion about these systems as well as what we feel it fits best with. What there, sort of elements? Actually, to be to be honest, there's some really cool stuff about like the way that people interact with the worlds that you're in, and you know we we've talked about like systemless games. We've talked about you know uh, mainly like D and D fifth edition, but you know there are so many other game systems out there, uh, and one of the main things that set them apart is a lot of them use uh, different dice to basically do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because you know, at the end of the day, all, all the dice are there for is to represent uh, a chance of failure at a given interaction. You know, uh, if you are trying to jump over a pit or you're trying to shoot a gun or swing a longsword, you know, the, the dice are there to basically provide a chance 
that your particular interaction may or may not succeed. That, that I mean, at the end of the day, that is that is basically what they're for. And there are so many varied ways of uh, doing this. Some of them I don't think are necessarily the most efficient. Some of them are so simplistic it hardly needs mentioning. Uh, but it, we wanted to talk about a couple of the different systems uh, and uh, vent, vent spleen and uh, educate where we can on uh, those given things. Yeah. Now, now I will say one, one of the things that did not show up on my on the list that I put up there that I wanted to make mention of, like right off the bat, um, uh, two things in particular. One is systemless settings are not what really kind of what we're going on. The, the idea of uh, it, the, not having a system means that you're not like you're inherently not rolling dice. You're not you're not doing anything because uh, usually systemless settings are you role play it out and you come to a, a conclusion between the players. Uh, and whoever might be running it, uh, whether a particular action is success or failure based off of circumstance and, and usually just whatever kind of uh, agreement you have made. Now, uh, that, that said, it's not, they're not a bad system. No, uh, they're, they're not a bad thing to do. Um, me and Mark uh, ran an infinite, uh, infamously uh, successful uh, systemless Call of Cthulhu uh, game yeah. good number of years ago, and it was so fun that our nerdy friends are still talking about it today. Um, yeah. Now, the other side of that is is pass-fail, or like the 50% coin flip idea. Oh, yep. uh, the, the fact that if, if anything you're doing just has a 50-50 chance of success, you know, uh, and that can be either done by flipping a coin, it can be done by rolling a die and going odd-even, but like at the very basic idea, if, if you go with every single thing you may try to do, regardless of, of complexity, has a 50-50 chance of succeeding, you know, that's about as baseline as you can get. But but that's kind of like, from there, we can extrapolate and come up with, and we can look at some of the other systems that have existed uh, out there and, and kind of see, like, A, whether we appreciate them for what they are, or maybe what they, uh, you know, what, what, what you're going to see other things, uh, you know, and, and like, give or take whether they're worthwhile to to us at least yeah um take them away do we want to just start with the one that we know the best absolutely well uh there's always the d20 high roll which is what you will find with dungeons and dragons and pathfinder and uh modern d20 uh there are tons of different uh games where everything is broken down into essentially uh, a 5% chance of success in, or failure uh, incrementally per dice. So, you know, a single pip of that dice is 5%. So get anywhere from uh, a 5, which would be a failure, to 20, which is usually an automatic success, but... Yeah, uh, the, the die 20 system, like the... And, and when it comes to die 20 high roll... You know the the core of that system is you roll a die twenty, you add a you add or subtract modifiers from the roll, and you are attempting to equal or exceed a difficulty number, like that. That is the the core of that entire system, uh, whether and, and especially nowadays, you know, with fifth edition, but even as far back as third edition, that was the way that almost everything in the system worked. You know, if you go to older versions of of Dungeons and Dragons. You know, then you're then you're talking about Thacko, oh, then you're talking no. about. But keep in mind that you you were still going for a high roll, even when it was like trying to hit armor class zero. You just had to basically either do the math in your head or reference a chart. Yeah. Um, but the D twenty system is very pl prolific. You're you're talking there when when op when the open source D twenty system was out there. That's when you saw the the mass influx of. There was the D20 Warcraft setting. You had the D20 Call of Cthulhu. You had D20 Star Wars. You had, you know, D20 Star Wars is still uh, the the Saga. Is it uh, Saga? Well, Saga Edition was yeah. D20, yeah. Now, now Thacko, it was a situation where you still wanted to roll high, but the you're, the lower your armor class, the better. You know, and that was the the idea, you know, because the, technically the lower the armor class, the harder it was to hit your target number. So... You know, but if I if I recall, I'm and I'm I'm pretty sure, and I might again, I might be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure you were still trying. You're aiming for high, you're aiming for a higher number. Well, 
Judging that I'm 35 now, it has been two decades since I tried to cal- uh, since I calculated Thaco, and I just don't think I'm my brain's up for it. Um, That's fair. But uh, the advantages of the D20 system is because it is ubiquitous. Um, you find so many things that it's so easy to adapt different rule books and everything, and mix and match for a great deal of the D20 systems uh, have interchangeable aspects. Uh, If, say, you're looking for something that was a little more uh, detail-oriented than your 5th edition, uh, which is a fairly generalist uh, game system, you've got Pathfinder, and they can get as narrowly into uh, a niche as you need to be, or uh, Pathfinder 2.0. Oh, if you are looking for a new and interesting twist on it. Right. Um, and they generally just had the escalating number of, uh, of external dice for things like damage. Actually, almost entirely for damage is what uh, every other dice was now. Yeah, exactly. And keep in mind that, like, when you're talking about the D20, like you mentioned before, you know, a plus one to something was effectively an additional 5% chance because, you know, when you do the math, the idea of, you know, there's 20 sides there. And the, the when you break that up into a hundred percent chance, it's like, okay, 5% increments. There you go. Yeah. You know, fairly straightforward. Um, uh, I but, don't actually know the next one you've got on the list worth beans, the, the, uh, the dark eye or the 3d 20 roll under. Uh, so the Dark Eye role-playing game, the idea behind that was um, when you are, and this is just a, an example of kind of, of a roll-under system, where, you know, the higher your stat, the easier it is to roll under it. And when you're dealing with a 3-die-20 roll, you know, with any uh, that your, your number range is between uh, a 3 and a 60. Whereas opposed to a single die 20 being range of 1 to 20. So, you know, there's a possibility that you'll be able to hit under your stat, but the higher your stat, obviously, the better off you're going to be. And then when you're including the the, the three dice, you know, the the added randomness that you're talking, the fact that you're saying, oh, you're throwing three dice, you could get a 1, a 2, and a 20, and, and, you know, it would throw the whole thing off, you know. So the when you're when you're kind of looking at how that system can go, it's it's throwing in like every additional die that you're throwing is just another variable, right? Okay. That can go any which way. Sounds like absolute chaos. Uh it certainly can be. <laughs> um and I would say that like when you're talking about like of the system. Now, I have not personally played the Dark Eye system, but I have looked at it a little bit. And when you're when you're dealing with um like trying to again, trying to roll under a stat, many systems have done that. You know, the three die twenty is just kind of it's a it's a unique blurb. And it, it is a little strange. I I'd never actually heard of a of a system that actually rocks multiple D twenties as part of a standard role. Right. Um, and, and the other thing about it, of course, uh, is that when you're dealing with trying to figure out a way of having something be random and you have X number of types of dice, everyone is going to try to find a new way of doing it. Right. You know, it's like the D20 system has been around for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, and it is a very simplistic system. It, it, it is, it's additive, you know, and most people can add and subtract within certain, you know, certain degrees. <laughs> I don't and, know. Have you ever sat around a table with a bunch of players? I mean, I have, <laughs> I yes. I am <laughs> as guilty of that as any of uh, the people who have sat at your table. And yes, you have a kitty that is full of mischief. I swear. Yes. She is, she is, she is testing me today. She um, <laughs> but uh, the the idea of like how many different ways can you use the same dice 
Um, and that's kind of what got me interested in this idea of looking at some of these and kind of saying, well, like I personally don't necessarily like the three die 20 roll. You know, it, it sure it gives you that, uh, that, that kind of range of roll. But to me, it just, it feels awkward, you know? And because like, if I asked you while you're at a table in the middle of this big thing, can you, you know, like roll three die 20 now add up those results in your head immediately. Well, it's a lot easier for you to roll one die 20 and then add a static number than it would be like, okay, Brian, what's, what's seven plus, you know, plus 12 plus, you know, plus 17 right now go. No. Right. I mean, a lot of people can do that, but there's also a lot of people who just can't or don't want to, you know, and, and that's where it comes down to like, if you're trying to roll under a stat on three, okay, yeah, I can, I can see where they're going with that. You know, but but then you start getting into the the weirder systems. You know, uh, I would say, for example, like uh, I I ran a game of the Serenity role playing game for yeah. a while. Uh, not only was the game not necessarily the most well put together thing in the rulebook, um, the way that it generally worked was that you, uh, your stats are anywhere between a die four for your lowest stat. Okay. Up to a maximum of a 12 plus die four, like a die 12 plus die four. And so everything in between. So you would like every, when you, when you're increasing your stat, you're adding new, you're basically adding additional dice and changing the dice types. So you might start out with a die four and then it might go to like a two die, you know, die four plus die four and then die four plus die six and then die four plus die eight, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, as you increased your stats, you would change die type. And so you'd be rolling several different dice all together as as a to hit roll or a damage roll or whatever. That's an interesting system and also uh, prone to chaos, I imagine, because by just increasing the dice size, you're not eliminating the uh, the bottom number capable on a bad dice. Also true. And I believe that it was based off the same system that they did the the Buffy the Vampire system, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer role playing game. Mm. Um, and admittedly, there were some really cool ideas, and I liked how they did some things. Uh, it was just a clunky system; it did not feel good to play. <laughs> admittedly, I actually know exactly what system I would use to run a Serenity like campaign. But we'll get we're gonna get down to that one in in a couple bits. Uh, what about the cap success D six the 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 bucket of D sixes that you get to bring to Shadowrun? So the the difference between a capped success based D six roll and a a non capped version, the idea of like. You know, when you had shadow run, it's like, oh, you'd roll X number of die sixes and you're, you're the maximum you could roll was a was a certain number. Like you couldn't just miraculously do the best thing in the world. Uh, whereas in like, say, the old school uh, West End game Star Wars die six system, you know, when sixes started exploding and you <laughs> kept rolling and they got bigger and better and more and just crazy. And that's when you got really over the top craziness there. But again, that that came into the situation of when especially if you're playing a jedi or if you're playing you know in shadow run you're just trying to shoot somebody you're rolling so many dice and not everyone's going to be able to very quickly be like okay 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 i got all this i you actually know. imagine that it would be slightly hellish I, I i've actually never played a proper like shadow run game because one of the things is that there is a strikingly few number of people that are willing to run it when it has so much crunch. Yeah. And I would say though, that like when you're, when you're dealing with a system that says like you are trying to hit a target number on each dice, that is when you get down to like, for example, uh, Warhammer. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh, I'm I need to get X number of three pluses to succeed at this roll. I'm going to roll, you know, however many dice I'm, I'm going to be able to do. And boom, go. Admittedly, as as a Warhammer nerd, I find the ability to throw X amount of dice and pick out my failures to be a lot easier 
than a lot of people if you just threw 30 dice at them and said, what are your successes? And yeah. that that I can see being an issue when it, when it's every single act possible action can provoke that many uh, throws of a dice. Uh, yeah. On top of the fact that not all that many people carry around a brick of D6s. Yeah. And then, of course, again, when people are uh, when people are messing about and they have say they do have their brick of die sixes, you know, it's like if they are not quick about it, that bogs down gameplay. Mm -hmm. It doesn't unless these people are veteran players that know what they're doing and can do it very quickly. It becomes very tedious to wait for someone to roll. It's like someone who is very brand new playing an entire massive Tyranid army and they just got into close combat with their gaunts and they're rolling, you know, 120 die sixes on the table. And you're like, okay, let's go through these. Okay, just because round. we did that with Hybrid Divide doesn't mean that we're bad people. <laughs> no, no, no. But you see what I'm saying, though, is it when you throw that many dice at someone, uh, it's going to bog things down. And new players are going to look at that and go, I don't know, that seems complicated. And whereas it might not necessarily be complicated, it's it's annoying, you know? It's droll. It's it's you're you're okay, sure. How many of these did you get? Well, how many do you need to succeed? Well, if you only ever need X number of them to succeed, well, okay. You know, then once you come to that, you can stop counting. Yeah. But then you get into the idea of degrees of success. Well, how well did you do? How did you how well did you do to over the target number? Um but again, that that it's when it comes to deciding how something goes. Part of me, I look at that and say, when you uh, like someone who has a massive amount of skill in something, would never ever statistically fail at something. Mm -hmm. And you know that that doesn't have the the kind of the real feel that I enjoy out of some things because I mean, hell, I've I've walked every day of my uh, of my adult life, and I still fail at that sometimes. Um, yes, yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> it's it, it, it's just re failure is a is a part of reality, and having someone say like, "Oh, I have this amount of skill in this thing, and even if I roll absolutely minimum, I cannot fail at it," feels hollow and and kind of crap about it. Yeah. Um. And see, uh, that's it's gonna sound weird, but uh, the the next system is actually the one that. Uh, aside from like D and D, I have the most comfort level in, and that is uh, percentile roll unders. Um, mm -hmm. uh, specifically, uh, the Dark Heresy uh, game system, the the older Warhammer 40k uh, game system that uh, was put out by Fantasy Flight. I was a humongous. Uh, <laughs> Play. We had was well, was a humongous Dark Heresy player. We had two games running weekly in college. Fair. Um, and as both player and GM, it is a very simple thing because your stat line is a it's in the double digits, hopefully. Mm. And the point is, you roll percentiles a. D100, uh, the 10-sided die with the zeros on it, and then a D10. And the entire point is... Colloquially to... known as a D100. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so you roll those, and you try to get under the under the stat that or skill that you're trying to do. Uh, mm -hmm. So you could do actions that would increase it, and you could give yourself a plus 5 or a plus 10, respectively, and there were things that would minus it. And it was... While it had crunch in all the things that you could do, because, sure, you could try to shoot this mutant that's in cover with a bunch of birds flying in the way, but you've got your sniper or your, your sniper rifle with the aim action and the red dot scope and all sorts of ridiculous stuff that mm -hmm. balances it out, but it balanced it out in a very natural, very easy-to-explain way. Yeah, I think my I enjoy the system as well, and I think there's a lot to be said about it uh, when it comes to like how Dark Heresy was done, uh, and any any game that basically has a a percentile as your stat, 
the I, it's a fairly simplistic thing of oh if my, my stat is a 35 I have to roll a 34 and under on a percentile dice to succeed sure okay it's it's very straightforward uh, I think the amount the sheer amount of modifiers that can happen <laughs> in dark heresy is where it bogs down for me because I can barely I mean that's why I like things like advantage and disadvantage you know it's like and that's where it's like, hey, I would rather deal with that than I would uh, having to be like, okay, well, you're at short range, but there's a fog, but they have this, th they have this ability at this level, which is minus oh, come this on, to this. Come, come on, give aimed. me actual numbers. I can crunch this. I, again, that's the thing is you have to have been playing for long enough to be able to be like, I know how all of these things go. And it's the barrier for entry for new players is, is a little unfortunately high for me, at least, you know, I, I can crunch the numbers myself, but I want to bring in players and not have them feel that they have to learn every bonus or they're going to fail at their roles. Admittedly, yes. The one the one thing that allowed uh, people to get over that crunch was chances are if you were playing Dark Heresy back in 2008, um, you had a group of people that were chances are already heavily invested in the Warhammer 40 K, uh, world setting. So the idea of getting to play in it made it so much worth mm -hmm. actually learning the, the crunch and everything. Yeah. Admittedly, by the way, if, if I, I don't know why it's been rattling in my head, but the idea of having a, an advantage or disadvantage mechanic in a percentile system where all you would do is you have the option, like when you roll, if you have advantage, you have the option of, uh, of like switching what's the tens and ones category on the dice, you know? So if you rolled a, a 27, you know, you could keep it as a 27 if you have an advantage, or if you rolled a 72, you could swap it to a 27. That's actually or if you had disadvantage, you had to, you had to switch over to the high dice being the tens. It's like they're, I'm sure there's some math that could be done to find out how terrible that would be. I think it would be something fun to play with later. I think I think that could very much so be fun uh, with it. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, when, when, when it comes down to it, the math that comes out of these really shows, like, the chances of succeeding at any given task. Uh, and, and that's where you get really weird, and that's why some of these systems are, they feel better or worse than others. Yes, you know. admittedly also the, the other thing uh, that was easy for uh, Dark Heresy was you needed literally three dice. You needed your percentile, which is two dice, and an additional D10. Anything yeah. else you can re-roll D10s for because it was a very, very simple thing of like, hey, you do damage? Chances are that damage is probably going to be enough to kill someone. Yeah, people didn't really have a whole lot of hit points in that system. No. Um, um, but there's a lot of other, like we talked about World of Darkness, you know, the idea of you're trying to roll a six or better on a die 10. But keep in mind that what you're, ta what you're saying is a success is rolling over five, mm -hmm. which means that what you're saying is you could flip a coin. You could e just as easily flip you know, if you had to roll seven die 10 and each six plus is a success, you could easily just flip seven coins and every heads is a success. You know, it's like all that is is a, is a glorified 50% chance. It is. Yes. Um, and, and, and again, personally, I'm, I, I understand why some of them go with that, but it, it's, it's kind of that weird, like illusion of, of randomness. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it, it it is everything is an illusion right right embrace um, the ether and, and and i think though that uh you know because we've talked a lot about some of the main stuff and I, you meant when you mentioned fantasy flight it also kind of reminded me of the uh the weird the weird dice you uh know? yeah yeah some of their uh, so some of their newer systems uh yeah. God. Edge of Empire, the Star Wars game, the Warhammer Fantasy roleplay are good examples. Not only where you have to have specialized dice, uh, but sometimes you have to have like I believe Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, you actually have like a character card, and it's like you're it's it's not even just that you have like a sheet you fill out. You actually have like 
oh, you're this class? Well, here, you have this card, and then you put your dice on that card in a particular way to show where your stats or your hit points or whatever are. It's it's really awkward. See, I, and... I think that came about mostly because Fantasy Flight started out as a board game company. Like, one of their first big successes was Mutant Chronicles, which was a board game. And a right. terrible movie. Oh, it's a bad one. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, th- that that's a problem is because the, they're, they're used to making kits for board games. And while Dark Heresy and the subsequent related games that for the 40K were... Uh, were vast and dynamic in, in, in the in the separateness from anything else they'd ever done. When yeah. they came into new IPs, they just sort of went back to what they knew. Yeah, and and again, like I I don't fault them for it. I understand, and also the idea of they want to sell dice. You know, that they, they it's easy for them to say like, oh, you want to play this game? Then pick up the peripherals that are that are specific to this game that are used for it. And it allows them to say, like, hey, we can say that two of the faces on this dice are going to do one thing, and then each other face is going to do another thing. And, I mean, sure, someone could pick up the die, like, pick up a normal die six, because the shape is the same, and say, one equals this, two equals this, you know. But, in again, unless you get to the point where you're doing it consistently, and everybody knows that, it's going to bog down, you know. I'm, I mean, I'm, hell, uh, even Wrath and Glory, they're like, we understand how that system works, but there's still some chunk with it, you know, there that is we're still kind chunk. of learning. Um, and I'm going to slightly jump the order of what how you did the notes, because I'm, I'm going to jump straight to uh, uh, Fudge Dice and Fate, mm. because that was actually, while it is a specialized dice, they're they far from the only people who that are actually producing fudge dice because it's an open gaming license, and they're like, mm-hmm. anyone use our fudge dice. We right. love it. Um, and that was... The the fate is, is a very simplified um, specialized dice system where it's... The dice has minus one, plus mm-hmm. zero, or plus one. And your stats tells you how many dice you roll. And right. then you have the, the GM is the one who sets the challenge of, oh, I need to run and jump over this. Well, I need to have a target of three. Well, my athletics gives me a plus four. So I roll four fudge dice. I fail. Right. Because I'm not very athletic. Well, so the thing about the fudge system is that, for one thing, it's it's very old. Like, it it has been around for a long time. Um, But it's something where instead of of every dice being that 50-50 chance, it includes a a third option that does not hinder or or support whatever you're doing. What could drive someone to those lengths of neutral? Neutrality. Right. And, and with the thing about it, like every fudge dice is, has either a plus, a minus, or a blank face, you know, and there's two pluses, two minuses, and two blank faces, which means that you could just as easily have a one or two be a minus, a three or four uh, be a, a blank, and a five or six be a plus, and that's, there's your fudge dice right there. And instead of it just being like a, a four or better is a success, which again brings you down to that 50-50 chance, which might as well just be roll even the odds at that point. Uh, or, you know, again, like the White Wolf system, roll six plus on a die 10. Mm-hmm. It adds that fact of, well, those those flat faces are, are they might as well have not been there. And and w- w- you would rather them not be there, or you'd rather them be, them be blank faces than minuses, you know. But of course, you'd rather them be pluses than blanks. So it, it kind of throws that little extra thing in there about like what your chances are of succeeding at any given thing. And of course, the more dice you throw, it's going to, it's going to start increasing your chances. So the larger your dice pool, the better off you're going to be in every situation. And the fate system is also, it, so while the fudge fudge dice are, uh, are this 
pretty cool thing. I think that the thing that makes Fate as cool as it is is its high level of collaborative storytelling. Uh, it's not right. just the GM setting the scene. It's not just the GM in a lot of the Fate systems. It's not just the GM building the uh, game world. Uh, every one of the players has just as much ability to affect their surroundings as anyone else. And I think that's actually one of the reasons why fudge dice, when you're looking at them, it, it tends to flow away from like additive math and such, because you're the, the amount of success that you're going to get in a certain thing. It, it, that's why they go with plus minus or blank rather than numbers, because it, having numbers and having the fact that you're doing math when you're doing the game takes away a little bit from the, the story aspect of it. Because if you weigh everything in pass-fail versus if you weigh everything in benefit or negative, then you can see it in a narrative point of view rather than a mechanic point of view. Yes, and uh, Tegan brings up a great point in the chat that uh, the, the fate point economy is really what makes the game. Being yeah. willing to take the hits to get fate points so that you can change the world with the fate points that you spend um, yeah. is a really great give and take on the storyline uh, ways. Now, now keep in mind that when you're talking about that, and I'm actually really glad you guys brought that up, is the fact that almost every single one of these systems has additional mechanics that are used to kind of, more often than not, skew things in the player's favor. Um, when you think, like, we go down the list and you talk about D20 high roll in Dungeons & Dragons, think Advantage. Think about luck rerolls. Think about things like that. You're talking about, uh, you know, success base in, in World of Darkness. You might even have uh, a, an ability that says you get to re-roll some of those failures because of a, a particular knack or skill you have. Uh, when you're talking about Dark Heresy, you're talking about fate points, you know, mm -hmm. whether it be a guaranteed success or a bonus to success. Uh, when you're talking about, you know, the fate system, fate points, you know, the idea of I'm going to alter the world to fit the narrative that I want to see in it, you know. Uh, and, and as you go through those mechanics and the wrath points and glory points and wrath and glory, uh, and, and like those mechanics are there to, weirdly enough, undermine the dice system that they have placed there. Um, and because keep in mind, if, 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 if everything was just by the dice rolls, then it would be one of those like arbitrary fairness, you know, it's like, oh, well, you have just as much of a chance of succeeding as failing in these situations because of the dice rolls. But because of the narrative of the games, because of the fact that you're trying to tell a story and you're you're generally going to be a heroic character um, and that you do want to skew your game towards player success, there are going to be mechanics that basically say either either throw out the dice roll entirely or push it in the direction where the player feels that they're not being completely uh, like destroyed by their dice because of fickle randomness. Yeah. And why, where I file feel that the, uh, wow, I'm great at talking today uh, where I feel that the fate system uh, succeeds so much is using the aspects of a character to provoke a negative for those characters so that they can build sure. up the points that to change the world. They're actually right. having to pay through consequences. Well, I, I should find words that are uh, different than the verbiage that they use for different things. Um, but you make the characters pay in role play for what they actually get to change in the world. And I, I yeah. feel like that's a very excellent thing because it, makes it so every character has to have player hooks in them. Sure. Otherwise, now, now keep in mind, they can't do that's anything. The thing, that's the thing, though, is that almost all of them, regardless of what dice system they're using, does have an additional mechanic to either make them unique or to, again, uh, push them in a direction where the dice aren't always deciding everything. True. You know, and and I think that when you when you really think about it and you look at all these different systems together, there's only a small handful of them that that don't do that. That they don't have kind of that safety net mechanic to them. Um, as we're kind of getting towards the uh, kind of towards the tail end of our list here, thinking about things like dread, 
Oh, you know, dread is another where, one, or or the their single, mechanic is a Jenga tower. Oh, I, I I love I love I love the idea of it. I'm we need to play it at some point, right? And but keeping in mind that like it it I I look at that and I love the concept and idea of it, but there's things about it that I don't like. For example, uh, it's not something that can be played uh over the net. No, it's not something that you can just get together on on Zoom or whatever and play. The other thing is it's not accessible to everyone. No, because, it, it, it's not. Because if you have yeah. a tremor to your hand or something yeah. like that, you are not going to do good at Dread. That it, it, is, yeah. it is built against you because it is a game that your success or failure is based entirely off of manual dexterity. Right. And and, and that in and of itself is like, it, it, it's a cool theory. It's cool theoretical idea and it's a great game system for what it is but you have to acknowledge the fact that it is not a good game system for everyone no uh and and that's where you come into the idea of that's why simple game systems like the d20 system are are so ubiquitous and they're so easy to use because if you like there are so many dice rolling apps out there there are so many interactive character sheets there's there's everything that someone may need to be able to to roll. I mean, I've I've seen like Braille die twenties. I've seen uh, you know, the ability of someone to be able to roll a die twenty uh on an app via speech recognition or like any number of things to do because that's just kind of as easy as it can get. Mm-hmm. But uh, a Jenga tower is not it, you know. No. Um but there there's other systems um that have it sort of stacked against the players and we we played extensively for for a little while and then sort of got tired of it. Uh, but uh, the single die six system of actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Yes. Um, now keep in mind again that's a system where you have an additional mechanic where you have the blood points, uh, wh- which can be spent to adjust dice rolls or to automatically succeed at a, at a roll. Because again, if if it went entirely by the dice everyone would fail, you know, a decent amount of the time, and it would, the game would be very quick and not very fun. But, see, that, A, the, the game is exceptionally quick, because, but as you are spending those dice points, that's actually also your hit point pool. Right. So, by getting to pass something ahead of time, or deal with the consequences of something, you are actively killing yourself, all the while, Shia LaBeouf gets more powerful. Right. And and I would like to to have a uh, an episode somewhat soon about resources, about uh you know resources as a game mechanic in in mechanics and narrative uh because of the idea that you know as we mentioned in a lot of these like all of these different systems have something that that undermine their own dice system. And I think that in and of itself is something we can talk about because of how they're woven in narratively, how they're decided upon. Because I, I would argue to say that when it comes to the mechanics, almost every single one of those systems is not there for the math. <laughs> those systems are there for the story. Mm-hmm. You know, they're there to make sure the story can continue when your dice suck. Yes. You know, because they're going to. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, I've also there. There's a, a handful of different systems, and I remember I actually uh, had a, a discussion with a one of the creators of this really neat steampunk uh, kind of airship game uh, at one of the the local board game conventions a couple of years back uh, about uh, their their game was based off of drawing uh, cards out of a deck of cards. Okay. Or building a deck of abilities and cards that you actually like. You know, you would associate like your character actually is associated with a uh, like one of the four schools of fighting, which just happened to correlate between clubs, diamonds, spades and uh, uh, and hearts. And that like the higher numbers, like you could decide to throw down a lower number card um, that to 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 do a minor task or you can throw down a higher number card for something that is a potentially much harder task. And that things are basically thrown down as uh, as low card, high card kind of uh, con- contests between the DM and the player. So would it be a thing where you build up your hand and then you hold your your high card for when you want, know you want to succeed? Basically, yes. Okay, that's 
Um, now, keep in mind, I've also seen game systems that use uh, basically poker hands. Like when as you're as you're playing the game, you're you're kind of maneuvering cards in and out of your hand to the point where when you're trying to get a really high success on something, you might actually have to throw down like, oh, I have a pair or I have two pair or I have a full house. You know, the idea of being able to throw down a really, uh, really good poker hand is the equivalent of, of, of a, a really well-timed critical 20, you know, and, and those things in and of themselves end up becoming almost less of that randomness system and more of your ability. Because uh, it, it, with, with it being based off of poker hands and building up and, and bluffing and playing it as you can, it, it, it becomes more tactical than it did, actually does input random. Right. And, and interestingly enough, that almost lends itself better in certain circumstances to certain play styles. Because um, what if, for example, we sat down at the gaming table and I said, okay, uh, you know, you have right now in front of you the numbers 1 through 20, right? Mm-hmm. Um, throughout, like, say we we're just going to play D&D, right? And I said, here's your numbers 1 through 20. Every roll that happens tonight, you just get to choose one of those numbers and then mark it off the sheet. So there, you're going to have 20 different interactions tonight and you get to choose which one of them you roll what on. And like in and of itself, the idea of now it becomes an issue of not randomly determining it's do I do I take this as like I need to succeed at this, knowing that something might be around the corner that might be worse, you know? And it's something where, again, this is this gets almost more into the idea of a uh, of a resource than a randomness, because all these dice systems and everything are based off of some form of randomness rather than just providing you with all of these options and saying your choices are what are going to cause you to succeed or fail. See, the only thing I could see being a problem with that is as a GM, you would actually have to calculate out the 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 specific threat levels that you're throwing at your players so that they actually uh, it is you know mathematically possible for them to succeed over a long run sure and, and again that that kind of mechanic might actually just require you to there has to be a way of getting some of those those dice back or those numbers you choose back uh, the, the the uh eponymous uh mechanic that throws out the numbers to pad for the story Exactly. Then you then you're basically just talking about a resource that undermines your game system specifically to allow for narrative completion rather than uh, callous randomness. Fail forward, kids. Fail forward. Exactly. So uh, of all the things we've talked about, you know, like that is one of the reasons why, you know, take it or leave it. The D20 system and especially the more recent uh, like fifth edition D&D is so popular because because of the simplicity, because of D20 high roll and advantage and disadvantage, la- the, the less number crunching makes for a system that a lot of people can get involved in without having to, to really like dig in deep to the system to understand it. You know, and I think that's why like uh, as we progress through and as we're going to be doing more episodes, there's going to be, you know, more and more discussion probably about the more ubiquitous systems, the ones that get played the most often uh, because of the that simplicity. You know, we're probably not going to do a really in-depth, you know, draw into the Serenity role-playing system because its system is is not necessarily the best one in the world. And I, I don't really, I, I can't in good conscience tell people that this is a game you should run out and play. No, no. If you want to steal the, if you want to steal the world, steal the world. But I would run... I would run that on uh, Dark Heresy's rule books. Uh, honestly, Starfinder. Uh, I would probably go Starfinder for a futuristic setting because because of the fact that weapons are uh, scale with level in Starfinder, uh, which as a futuristic setting, I like the idea of someone not necessarily being able to blow a hole in the side of a starship with a hand cannon at level one, but later on in levels, it totally makes sense for them to be able to do it. You know, but again, that that's that. I think that's my preference because Starfinder really impressed me with how they would do a spacefaring game. See, my one worry about Starfinder is magic is too intrinsically linked in the game setting. Um, that and the level of technology is such a step above. Whereas 
Dark Heresy you could play at a medieval level of technology, and they True. even have how you could do that. All you have to do is remove the psychers, and even then yeah. you don't actually have to because it is Serenity. And to be perfectly honest, I believe uh, the last time I looked at the idea of maybe doing a cyberpunk game, I looked at Starfinder as actually the basis of that game because it would work. Cyber cybernetics are built into the system, and the idea that uh, you can like not have magic if you don't want to, you don't have to allow the magic casting classes, and you don't have to have the magic items in there. You can just have technological items, and then just kind of go from there. But Again, Starfinder has its own pluses and minuses, yes. but it, they did base it off of a system that worked really well, which is Die 20 High Roll. Mm, so, very true. Yeah. I'm sure everyone out there is uh, going to clamor about what they believe to be the, the most superior of this, which uh, I think is a great way of, uh, of bringing forward our question. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, the, our freshly minted question of uh, this week is... What is your favorite system? Indeed. Uh, I would love to know, like, out there, of all the different systems you've played, or even had a chance to look at or see, if there's one that really catches your interest, or whether you've played it for years or just know about it, I'd love to know, what what is your favorite game system out there? Uh, because, you know, again, there's so many, and, and some people just really enjoy that weird niche system that they uh, they've had a chance to mess with. Yeah. Uh, so please tell us, what is your favorite system? Mark, how about you uh, start us off there? Die 20 High Roll, 5th edition. Die 20 uh, I would, I, I'm, it's, not, it, it's not a difficult thing for me. It, it is, be, I, I like it because of its simplicity. I like it because of its low barrier to entry. And I like it because uh, while there are other systems out there that are, des that are designed to run in different settings, the D20 kind of advantage-disadvantage system of 5th edition can be used for almost any setting and i really enjoy that part of it and and i'm i i try not to like you don't have to squeeze fifth edition into every setting but it's really easy to do it it is and uh, admittedly for my own answer uh die 20 high roll is that comfortable coat that i i have constantly worn for years and years and will continue to wear so i I have to say that it is my much preferred system. That said, if we could get together an actual fate group to actually do like a Dresden Files RPG or something like that and actually get the group together and have more than you and me doing the collaborative storytelling, I would play the crap out of that. Agreed. It, it, you have to have the group for it. But I, I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk about that more in the future. Yes, indeed. Um, but uh, as it stands right now, once again, uh, you, you wonderful people out there, we would love to hear from you uh, about what is your favorite system. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, for, for the responses to uh, the, the last episode question, I believe the, the main one that we got that wasn't uh, specifically done while we were recording uh, would be the uh that uh nick on our discord server mentioned that uh, he enjoys playing in person more than he enjoys playing online yes and i totally understand we've that that is uh that is certainly a uh, uh an understood sentiment um but i would say right now is a great time for us to shout out to some wonderful people out there that have uh continued to support us uh through these times and uh we, we greatly appreciate everything you've done so First off, thank you to our amazing patrons. Yes, indeed. To Lissa Little Bear and Tegan of the Heckle Squad. Indeed, yes. Uh, thank you to Uber Madface. Uh, thank you, Rateo. Yes, indeed. Also, welcome back. I saw you yeah. in the chat. Hey. Good to have you. Uh, thank you to Chubby Wildcat. Thank you, Square Bear. Thank you, Desmond. Hi, Desmond. Hi. Uh, thank you, Patrick M. Thank you, Odd Shaped Channel. Thank you, Astonishing Legends. And thank you, Kevin of the Golden Bolt. Thank you all so much for being our patrons, for continuing to support us as, we, uh, as we've gone through our change and as we continue into the future. So, yes. greatly appreciate all of you. Um, uh, but you know what? We thank you, dear Digidicers, all of you out there who've joined us uh, for this episode of Digital and Dice. 
if you want to reach out to us, uh, you can always find uh, our emails, Discord, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter info on our website at uh, www.digitalanddice.com. Yes, indeed. That is www.digitalanddice.com. Uh, and, uh, of course, dear Digidicers, as we venture back out into the void uh, to gather more obscure role-playing systems, uh, we ask that you be kind to one another. And as always, Game, game on, on Internet. Internets.